the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. 25 years ago when I was doing this show, the whole goal was to beat the market. I was a tad bit on the arrogant side. I looked at people like Warren Buffett. I was like, ah, I can do better than him because I do tech stocks. He does do tech stocks. That was 25 years ago. Through doing this, a, a marriage, a divorce, a second marriage, kids, I quickly kind of learned that it's really not a show about beating the markets. It's a show about getting to retirement. What's really super weird is it's I've basically documented my life in this process. And now I'm starting to think about income in retirement versus income from an employer. We're going to talk about that later in the show with CFP Stephanie Richmond from EP Wealth. But I'm not at the point where I'm giving you advice on working out, but maybe I'm getting there. I'm not as fit as I used to be, right? I've got dumbbells almost. In, it feels like they're in every room of my house. 15 pounders, 20 pounders, 25 pounders, just so I can try to stay healthy because health and retirement is relatively important to quality of life. So do you see how the show is evolving ever so slowly? But I promise you, I will still talk tech stocks um, as much as I can. And even concepts like a Phoenix suburb is cracking down on Airbnbs ahead of its Super Bowl with one critic saying it's 5,000 short-term rentals are destroying neighborhoods. I've read a lot recently and seen a lot of research come out on where to retire. Phoenix is a lovely place to retire as far as income taxes go and cost of living as far as access to health care. Important issues as you age. The Airbnb Super Bowl story. Eh, I really like Brian Chesky at Airbnb. Do you know my biggest loser last year was buying shares of Airbnb when I thought, hey, it's down 50%. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and that's my personal account, not my EP Wealth account. You have to be kind of careful. When you're trying to beat the market, you take on extra risk. Do I like Airbnb for long term? I think I do. But I will say they're facing a lot of regulation in the future. And you know who else is facing a lot of regulation in the future? Tech stocks. And strangely, Republicans and Democrats kind of both agree. Let's make, I don't know what to say, uh, an example of, but it's pretty easy to, to get someone like Mark Zuckerberg and say, you're stinking wealthy. And most of my constituents in my county are not stinking wealthy. I, I think that's how it's playing out in my head. But the regulatory threat to tech is growing right now. You have a divided Congress basically in charge is the right way of saying that. And it's a weird concept because you'd like to say one is in charge versus the other. But you have a divided Congress in charge. The near term prospects for legislation regulating the tech giants looks uncertain at best. But there's still major legal and regulatory events coming this year for the tech sector. 
to me, it looks like the European Union is better at slapping tech companies than the United States. With that being said, the United States is the United States, right? And we kind of protect our own companies. Take a look at what's happening with TikTok. Do I think China's ever going to give up TikTok? No. Do I think TikTok's the next trillion dollar company? Yes. And this is all just conversation. And what I, it stinks when you start getting Congress involved with investments. But you have to look at this kind of stuff. Supreme Court's going to hear arguments in late February on two cases that could trigger changes in Section 230, which protects social media platforms from legal liability over user content. So let me try to explain how this works. I grew up watching television as a six-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid. Actually, I lived overseas, so I didn't watch a lot of television. But for this example, let's just hypothetically say I did watch a lot of television. Congress said, you know, we got to create the FCC and we got to make sure that anything that's communicated to children doesn't have cigarette commercials or doesn't have a lot of sex or skin or I don't even know what they're saying. But there's decency standards put on ABC, NBC, CBS. That's what it was when I was growing up. Fox didn't even exist when I was a baby child. So Fox came in right around when I was like maybe 10, 12 years old as far as network. And we learned that like the really good TV for kids comes on after 10 o'clock. Not so much. But Congress is going to try to do something like that this year. Saying, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, if you show a video of people stepping on kittens, that is not appropriate for children. We have to protect children. And I agree. Anyone who steps on kittens, you're, you're a wackadoodle. But decency and regulation on media content as a father, I'm concerned. Um, if a young teenage girl is struggling with, you know, pimples and acne and gaining weight. If she's being served up ads that take advantage of her situation, we need to regulate that is the thought the Supreme Court's going to step in and say, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, your company cannot just put on any content that it wants by user. And that's the craziest thing about Facebook's five years ago when I was talking about Facebook as a company, they don't even create their own content. You do. They don't pay people like ABC, NBC, Fox. They have to pay for those shows. Crazy, right? And we share it all. Got into a fight with my spouse yesterday. Like, please consider canceling Facebook. I used a little bit of Facebook for not gloating about my family's vacations, but for business. This is going to be a big conversation later this year. So do I think it's going to take down Alphabet and Apple and Microsoft and Amazon? I don't. But Lena Lena Khan at the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, she has not had a lot of success in flexing her regulatory might. There's an antitrust case against Amazon right now, citing a variety of anti-competitive behaviors like owning its own products in search versus Amazon's pending bid for Roomba vacuum cleaners, the iRobot. I don't know anyone who I know one person who loves them, but I don't know a lot of people who love iRobots. But if Amazon comes out and buys iRobot, what's that going to do to the vacuum cleaner world when you go to Amazon to search for vacuum cleaners? You're going to see iRobot ads first, right? Live Nation is under fire. Uber and Lyft are under fire. It's not just the big tech companies. It's a lot of tech companies this year. You can find me online at Rob Show. 
It's been a Rob Black show. YouTube Rob Black show. More coming up. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. So this is a question coming from a younger person who's asking about their parents, which unfortunately many of us have to go through. Where the parent becomes the, the, the dependent again. We're born as dependent on our parents. We grow older and then we become dependents for our children. I know it's a really co- odd concept, but it, wouldn't it be nice if our government would pass instead of um, laws for 401ks and IRAs and ways to save money for retirement? Wouldn't it be nice if they could pass some laws that gave us perks for the children who help their parents? Tax perks, maybe. I don't know. Novel thought. That's more novel than war and peace, right? So what would the tax obligation and risk on an investment account be a bad idea for my parents instead of the life insurance? Are there tax advantage investment accounts for aging parents? And um, it's a great question. Parents basically have whole life insurance because they said that there's high premiums. That tells me um, that more than likely, I'm assuming it's whole life rather than term. I had term life insurance. I no longer have life insurance. You insure what you can't afford to lose. Um, I might, well, for the record, I might have some small life insurance through work kind of thing. But my term life ran until I was going to hit the age 60. So it's still active, but it's not as much. It won't. What I had bought years ago isn't really all that consequential today. I outgrew it. It's an odd thing to say, yeah, my kids would get a couple million or my wife would get a couple million or or if I, she died, the kids would until I'm 60. I bought it until I was 60. That was the goal was to keep my insurance until I was 60. And essentially it was, you know, 10 times my salary. And that would have allowed my children to mourn me, put me in the ground. Their mommy wouldn't have to instantly go out and find a new breadwinner. Like it, it was just that was about the right amount of money. You insure what you can't afford to lose from age 20 to 60. I have the ability to earn income after 60. I'm retired in my head. That was the way it was going to play out. So it's a whole life term, a whole life insurance policy that they have not term term is low premiums. It's cheap. It's what financial planners buy more often than not. Whole life is expensive. It has high costs. The insurance company makes a lot of money because they're charging you um, a premium. So life insurance won't offset potential health costs unless they tap into the policy's cash value. So here's the first thing I told the, the uh, emailer was that your parents don't have a lot of money. They're spending a lot of money on life insurance. And let's say one of your parents gets into a situation where they need long-term care. They're not dead yet. And that money's not going to be coming straight out uh, and paying for, for their cost of living. So that's going to fall on the children more than likely than not. So what do you do? Hmm. Restructure the policy. Sure. You could reduce the death benefit and the premium. Or if the cash value provides dividends, it might be enough to pay the premiums outright. But probably not. The cash value could be a source of liquidity now via a withdrawal or a loan. Your parents won't have to pay taxes on any withdrawals as long as they uh, take out less than what the premiums they've put in. 
This is called the cost basis. If they take out a loan against the policy and the loan interest plus unpaid principal exceeds their cash value, the policy lapses. If that happens, your the parents might have to pay taxes on any gains. It's very complicated. It's the last thing that you want to be doing is finding out worst case scenarios on how to get money out of a whole life insurance policy. I don't despise the product, but I really, really don't like the product. For someone like me, a whole life insurance policy, I can go to, let's say I I really like museums and I can go to the Museum of Modern Art and say, I'm going to give you $2 million, but you're going to buy a $2 million life insurance policy on me. And everyone's happy. That's when you could use whole life. Um, But it's really not appropriate for most people, unless you have a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, hopefully from my firm, EP Wealth, helping you guide and set up how to structure insurance in your income years, your retirement years. There's something called a surrender. This is an obvious way to avoid the high premiums, but watch out for taxes. Unlike the death benefit, which typically is not taxable, any proceeds above the policy's cost will trigger income taxes, not capital gains taxes, but income taxes. And if your parents haven't passed the surrender period, there could be a penalty as well. So I would look at the policy is what I said to the emailer. And I would I would run it through a CFP and see what they think. There's no special tax advantage accounts for children that can set up and help their parents, which is unfortunate. Um, it's also important to know that both your parents are going to die. And when they die, it's probably $7,500 to $10,000 to put them in a coffin and bury them or the funeral expenses where you burn them. It's not cheap. Right now, when your parents are in their 60s and they have the ability to speak clearly, this is a wonderful time to start talking to them about the next 20, 30 years. And if you can do it with a sibling or two, that's even better. And say, look, mom, dad, what do you got? Do you have a house? Nope. Do you have a whole life insurance policy? Yep. Do you have an inheritance coming? Nope. How were your parents? Were they were they sickly in their final years? Were they bedridden? Were they Alzheimer's patients? Were they um, risks to society? Like if they got into a car, could they run someone over? Uh, my mom got into a car once late in her life, probably late sixties, early seventies, probably early seventies, and um, she drove to the grocery store, which seemed totally natural. The grocery store was two blocks away that we thought she was going to, but no, no, she was driving seven miles away in large part because to save money. My father was in the military. Therefore, my mom had the right to get on to what are called um, bases. And when you go on to bases, there's commissaries and commissaries are way cheaper than a Safeway. And Safeway is considered pretty cheap by most people's standards. It's not a premium like Whole Foods. Um, but one day she went seven miles away, got out of the car and started wandering and that was the last time she ever drove. So almost died. This is a good time to have those conversations. After that period, my mom had, she's had strokes and her mind just wasn't right. And she sometimes thought, you know, we were conspiring to steal our money. <clears throat> End of life isn't pretty. So for, for the emailer whose parents are in their 60s, they're not financially secure. They're paying high premium life insurance policies. How long do their parents live? That's a good question. 
because they live to 90 in good health, they're going to be paying for this whole high premium life insurance for the rest of their life. Do you really need life insurance? Do you really need a million dollars when they die? Probably not. If you've been doing what you're supposed to be doing, putting 15% away in a 401k, saving money, investing for the future, buying on dips, not panicking, getting into a home that you can afford, making the payments, getting a raise, putting more money away. If you've been doing all that, you don't need your parents' whole life insurance policy if their parents live to 90. My dad lived till 58 and my mom lived till about 83, 84. Um, So I kind of know where my longevity is. And my dad was a smoker. My mom was a smoker early in her life, but not later in her life. Did Did not die of lung cancer. My dad basically got cancers. So I, I can kind of see some of this um, out there. But it's a really good time to talk to your parents about what they have and what their wishes are. That's what I really got out of that. If all they have is a whole life insurance policy and they think that's going to be doing you some good and they live till 90, then you may be 60 years old inheriting a nice chunk of money. Sure. Uh, but do you really need it at 60? If you did everything right in your life, Probably not. So insurance or investments, I would say we don't have the answer because we don't have everything that your mom and dad have as far as assets. But I would start self-insuring by investing. That's what I've done. Like I said, my 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 dabbling with insurance to cover my family's ability to earn income is why I have whole life and why I have variable life insurance term life. God, I'm. I don't have whole life. I don't have whole life term. Some days the words just don't come out of the mouth correctly. Um, so we have that. I think I, I you insure what you can't afford to lose. That's what the last thing that I want to say on this segment, because I don't talk about insurance very often on the show. You have, I have healthcare. And instead of having a, a low deductible, I'm not getting sick very often. Instead of having a high deductible, I'm having a no deductible. I'm basically putting all my money into a savings account, um, but having the backdrop of of insurance that I have to pay out of pocket. That I will lose if I have a heart attack on this one. I will win if I don't have a heart attack, i.e. a costly event. Um, but I've been saving more and more money for the long term in the way I save for my health insurance. I have auto insurance. I have a lot of auto insurance in case I hit a car with four lawyers in it. So if I cause the accident with lawyers, I don't want to lose everything I have. You you insure what you can't afford to lose. The only insurance that I get like at a department store, it might be on a, a, a notebook or an iPad, which kids tend to drop and break. But I don't insure a lot of electronics because they tend not to break. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Roughly 30 years ago, I started working with the goal of ultimately creating wealth, starting a family. And I never wanted to say this, retiring. Not retiring on Social Security because I always heard that wasn't enough. I heard it was a safety net. So the whole theme of the show has really become about retirement in my mind, as I've already 
had the career, as I've had the family. I, I've checked some boxes along the way. Let's talk retirement. Joining me today, Stephanie Richmond. She's a regional director and certified financial planner with EP Wealth. Stephanie, I have a quick question for you. Um, my career has been Good morning, on. Rob. Good morning. Um, my career has been on, light switch on. But at some point in time, it's going to be time to retire. I think we all see it happening, whether we see it dramatically in baseball and football athletes or what you and I do, working the day job for 20 to 30 years and then thinking about retirement. What do we need to know as a certified financial planner at EPL? What's your what's your take on this? What's your view? Well, thank you for asking, Rob, and good morning. Um, you know, uh, I think a lot of individuals and couples think retirement is about, you know, one moment you're working and one moment you're not, right? Right. And one, one of the things I realized or I've learned over the years is that a lot of people are very, very nervous about that, right? They're, they're almost frightened by it because they don't know what's going to happen when the switch turns off, right? So... Fair. What I what I talk to people about is, you know, um, do you you know what what do you plan to do? I ask questions such as, you know, do you are you looking to do something new, um, or do you just want to stop and relax? Um, do you want to pursue a passion project? That type of thing. What are you dreaming about? Because it doesn't mean your life stops when you retire, right? Many some of people are living. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no. For some people, I think it does kind of stop. Um... And that's that's horrible. That's sad. My mom, when she, she got to a certain age, she just started watching television. But you're talking about something more exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, you know, the, the, the old definition of retirement is to depart and go away. That's not the modern definition. Um, you know, so many people I meet are, are, you know, even taking a gap year to test retirement out these days. I have I have one couple um, that decided to spend three months in an Airbnb in four different cities to see where they wanted to live next, right? Cool. Yeah. And you know, pretty cool, right? And I have I have another I know I have another um, client I'm working with right now who decided to take a year off to help their father, you know, as he uh, you know as his life transitions. And, you know, one of the most important things to keep in mind in looking at whatever is next, you know, whether it's the Airbnb, whether it's helping family members before you go back to work, um, whether it's just simply taking a year off to travel to test out what retirement might feel like, um, it's important to plan, right? And that's one of the things that I love to talk about with people. In fact, you know, I say, look, you know, just dream, you know, we all love to daydream and think about what's next. But very few of us put um, our plans on paper to test it out to see if it's going to work. And so I say dream. Dream the way you want to and don't edit yourself. And that's a, then let's apply some numbers to the equation. So how much is it going to cost you to do that? You know, and will it work? Can you still, can you still maintain your lifestyle and lead, you know, lead the life you want? And through planning, we can figure that out. I, you know, it's something I love to do every day. So as a CFP, I don't know if your uh, job title is, is well known by the average person, but yeah, you, you deal with that big transition into retirement years and setting up a budget, setting up income streams. That's the thing that has me most concerned because they, as an amateur, I'm not a CFP. Um, I've worked in the markets for many, many years, but all I know is that I, when I was 18 years old, I was like, I want $1 million so I could retire. And my goal was to retire on a beach. San Diego was probably in my head. 
with a partner and we'd sell oranges on the beach. It was a joke, kind of. <laughs> it worked on radio, kind of. But it was a goal and it was something I could have come to you and you could have laughed at me about. Um, triggering conversations with clients, that's kind of what this is about, the big transition um, the assumption of a retirement income plan by me was very naive, $1 million. What do you think it takes to retire in this day and age? Because it is a little different. And I, I love the ideas of using Airbnbs as uh let's go check out this market. Let's go check out these hospitals and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good question, Rob. And I will say, honestly, it's different for everybody. And yeah. that's really important to keep in mind, right? A million dollars, obviously, we know, especially with inflation, the way it was last year and is this year doesn't go as far as it once was. And, you know, very, very few people have pension income these days, right? So most of us are going to retire with Social Security, right? And at some point, you know, if you take a deep look at your Social Security statement, you'll find, right, that it's it looks like the Social Security benefit is actually going to go down somewhere, you know, in the 2030s. And so um, retirement and Social Security is not going to be enough, right? So you've got to what you need to look at and what I can help you with, with what any certified financial planner can help you with is, you know, how do you fill the gap between your social security and maybe you have some rental income or something and what you need to spend, right? Or maybe you, you know, do you need to get a part-time job to help fill the gap? So again, what you have in the bank is going to be, what you need to have in the bank is going to be different for everybody. But again, through planning, we can figure that out. And I have a great story of, um, uh, um, an individual I work with right now, and it's actually it's the gentleman who decided to take the gap year to help his father. Okay. And he said, well, can I just retire? And uh, and I said, well, I don't know. Let's check it out. And so he finally sat down to look at his expenses and what it would cost. And, I mean, he's 56 years old, so he's young, right? And uh, we put pen to paper, and what we realized is, yes, he could take the gap year, but he'd have to change his lifestyle a little bit to fully retire, so we were able to back test, hey, you know, if you go back to work and earn X dollars for just three years, right, you'll mm-hmm. actually be able to make it. And and you can do it with ease. You know, you don't have to go back to the grind you were working once working in. That's pretty very excited cool. about that. Very cool. I want to say this. and You're going to laugh when I say this. We have got about two minutes left, so we've got to be tight. Um, you're kind of more of a psychologist or a priest when it comes to talking with clients and talking about like, this is what it could look like and getting them to confess and being honest with you financially speaking. Is that fair to say that the relationship is super important to have with the CFP where you trust each other? Completely, completely. I mean, it's really important for, for, you know, for, for me to be honest and, and ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. And it, it is really, I mean, it's so satisfying for me when, you know, a client, my clients actually are honest on the other side too. And I do it, through, you know, I consider it coaching, right? Um, you can call me a psychologist, you can call me a coach, but either way, um, you know, it, we get to know each other really deeply through this process and trust is a really big element in it. Thanks very much. It's all about maintaining the lifestyle desires, income. We've got about 30 seconds, Stephanie. Is there any last thoughts on, you know, should people be writing stuff down? Should they be, uh, you know, figuring out five years left, 10 years left of working? What should people be doing as they approach this transition? Well, first off, yes, I, I love what you said. I would absolutely write your dreams down 
Okay. And then, you know, as you're going to, you know, as you're, as you're going through your days, 30. you know, start putting pen to paper and say, where will I be? Right. How much, you know, what will I spend? What do I want to do when I'm there? And um, collect your thoughts and then bring them to your planner and we can help you check out whether you're going to be able to live that dream. You're going to be hearing a lot more of Stephanie Richmond on this show. She's regional director and certified financial planner with EP Wealth. Stephanie Richmond, thanks very much. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So Lisa Marie Presley, dead at 54. We're starting to look at what she was worth and not worth. It's fair to say that Elvis Presley was mismanaged by... Uh, was it Colonel Parker was his name? Colonel Tom Parker? I'm not at the best at Elvis history and facts and figures, but <clears throat> supposedly Elvis had a $5 million debt that he settled with the rights to his music catalog. Whoopsie. Sold that off. His imaging got done in a bad deal with Elvis Presley Enterprises. They sold 85% stake to CKK. CKX, he's one of the top earners on the death figure, uh, on the death menu, on the death list of celebrities every year. Him and Snoopy, people who are no longer around, but their likeness and their characters still get used. And he doesn't benefit from it. She was making about $4,000 a month from Graceland. She did own Graceland at the time of her death. But when Elvis died, his estate was worth about $5 million. That would be roughly $25 million in today's money. She had to sue her manager. She said that she lost over $100 million at one point in time through mismanagement. He sued her back. I don't know the details on this. Um, but all the royalties from his music were sold off to cover a debt. And the covers that he did made her some money every year, but she was pulling in about a million dollars a year at the time of her death, but she was living on a much more expensive uh, budget. So she's not one of those people who ended very poor, but let's just put, she's not as wealthy as you would think, if that makes any sense. I think it does. Work with me here, shall you? Shall you? Um... Jamie Dimon said something pretty fascinating. I love listening to Jamie Dimon. I like Brian Monahan from Bank of America, Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan. He was uh, on a televised interview earlier this week, and he talked about his, his quote that grabbed my attention was retirees, grandmothers, low income people. They've been hurt by crypto. And he's exactly right. I know people in their 20s and 30s who got into crypto at the high or they held it in the mid, watched it go high, didn't get out, and then watched it crash. JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon, he's a Wall Street boss type, and he kind of looks the part, if you know what I'm saying. He famously said in September, he called the digital tokens decentralized Ponzi schemes. At a regulatory hearing, again reiterated his criticism of crypto assets during an interview with Fox Business this week. He said, quote, I called it a decentralized Ponzi scheme because people were just hyping it, hyping it, and hyping it. And they'll write tons of books on this, the money that was stolen out of it, what people knew and didn't know. He is really not a fan of crypto. And yet his firm has to have some acknowledgement of crypto because 20-somethings and 30-somethings have money. And they're hysterical with, or they were hysterical with the idea that this would be their, their golden ticket. This would be their Willy Wonka moment. 
his quote was a lot of people got hurt. These were retirees, grandmothers, lower income folks. And it was a shame. The bankruptcy of falling cryptocurrency exchange FTX is estimated to have wiped out $9 billion of worth of crypto investments. It should have immediately been put in some kind of regulatory framework so that there's some investor protection, in his opinion. But he thinks the barn door has been open. Regulators are starting to come up with safeguards, um, but they could have done it long ago. Diamond liked, likened to crypto. This is my favorite quote from him to pet rocks. <laughs> I use the pet rocks analogy. I don't think you stole it from me, but one of the reasons I don't short stocks is because people bought pet rocks in the 1970s. You can get a box with a rock in it and it would have a name like Ted and you'd go home and put Ted on a window so you'll talk to Ted. We're a pretty stupid society, all things considered. And I, I say that with love. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying there's a lot of LCDs out there. And again, you can have your opinions. Uh, I'm somewhere in between Jamie Diamond and hysterical. For some reason, I still say I think it's going to be around for a while. The currencies, I don't like the coins. I think the NFTs are way overpriced and silly. More often than not, I like Ethereum and the contracts that can be done inside the world of crypto. The blockchain is a fabulous technology. But am I going to put my hard-earned money in? I'm not. Not anytime soon. You can always find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Another little bit of sad news. And again, this has a story on money, I think. Remember how earlier in the show I was talking about Lisa Marie Presley dead at 54 and divorces can cost you a lot of money. A car crash can cost you a lot of money. A pothole. My dentist, three of his assistants all got uh, flat tires last week on the highways from potholes due to the rain. And in a Tesla, that's a $400 tire, $100 tow truck. That's $500 for a, a whoopsie. I just hit a pothole. That's a lot of money. Life can come to you at you at funny ways. This is one that I saw, and I just, I don't even know how I want to talk about it, if I want to talk about it. Justin Roiland, he's the co-creator and voice behind Rick and Morty. He's facing several years in prison after being charged with multiple domestic violence offenses. And when I saw this story yesterday, I was like, oh, he basically probably got drunk and hit his wife or something, right? Something like that is my guess. But no, 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 no. This happened two years ago with someone he is dating and he's being charged with falsely imprisonment by menace, corporal injury, domestic battery. And I'm like, wow, she's a Jane Doe. And he, he, there's something about his career being totally derailed. That's a financial story here. Like he's going to be in prison. Um, again, don't you wish you had that moment where someone says, whatever you do, don't hit a person. Whatever you do, don't kidnap a person. Whatever you do, don't lock them in a room. Um, we don't have those people talking to us because we don't need it, but some people do. Um, try to tell your kids right now, be very careful with your pranks on the internet, with your social media on the internet. It will come back to haunt you. Act like a grown up is my advice to my children. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.